We are the Narrators 3. Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where every plot device comes with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 1, Episode 14, Dreamy. This episode aired March 4, 2012. The writers were the Kitsowitz, and the director was David Solomon, who we know from The Price of Gold. The title card features seven dwarves marching. We begin high in the clouds above the enchanted forest where the blue fairy is waiting. Soon a fairy named Nova arrives and nearly crashes off balance from the weight of the fairy dust she is transporting. I hate the shitty fairy outfits. I miss the gold fairy. We had her for like two seconds, but she was at least well-dressed. She was. R.I.P. gold fairy. Now we have two jellyfish dresses. We hardly knew ya. Also, the pan in to the blue fairy in the clouds at the beginning, that was some rough CGI. It she was, was like, bad. she was bouncing a little yeah. in that perspective. It was it was a little rough. I miss the good old days of like matte painting. Oh, <laughs> I know. Nervously, the blue fairy reminds Nova to be careful as fairy dust is the most precious in all the land, powering the magic of their realm and what Nova carries is the entire year's supply. Taken aback when Blue tells her she will be able to perform this task alone next year, Nova says she was hoping to be a fairy godmother by then and is unpleasantly surprised to be told that her journey has just begun. The Blue Fairy calls her a dreamer and fucks off. Christ, the Blue Fairy is a bitch. Yo, fuck you. What kind of performance review was that, Blue? This sweet little cotton candy fairy has big dreams and you're just blowing her off and rolling your eyes? You're supposed to be a mentor, not a queen bee bitch. Ugh, I hate the fucking blue fairy. She's the worst. She sucks, yo. Hurriedly, Nova flies off, unknowingly jostling the bag of dust, causing some of it to fall from the bag and into the mine nursery onto a dwarf egg. The dwarf we now know as Grumpy is seen hatching from the egg. He's wearing his jammies. Also, I love that one of the dwarf names is Watchy. Whatever happened to traditional dwarf names like Balin and Dwalin, Feely and Keely, Loin, Oin? I mean, not a thorn among them. What a shame. Yeah, I had the exact same note when I was watching this that just said, can we talk about the fact that they named the fucking egg nursery dwarf Watchy? Yeah, you actually, you turned to me and went, (laughs) Watchy. Because it's dumb. It's so dumb. It is dumb. Really dumb. Like, why couldn't his name be Manny? Because he's like a man Manny. I mean, if you gotta have a Y at the end, yeah, at least have it be that. But like, watchy. I'm like, okay, sure. And like, listen, I know it's part of the lore or mythology or whatever, but a grown man emerging from an egg with a full beard and a shitting grin is fucking disturbing. <laughs> it just is. I hate it. <laughs> oh no, you made me cough laugh. I'm sorry. That's okay only this lore right i mean i don't think it's like ancient dwarf lore yeah there's some folklore where dwarves charge from an egg yeah in the adventures of snow white the dwarves are like born paired with a tree and like their lifelines are like connected to big old trees by yeah, the way that show is apeshit crazy though, that's an apeshit crazy i don't think we should count that as any sort of a reference for anything because that show that, makes no fucking well, sense i want to i want to throw the shout out for adventures of snow white for for listeners um, oh no, I enjoy that show, but it is yeah, batshit crazy. It is a 1980s part Italian funded anime, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. 
and it's about Snow White and it's like 50 episodes and like the first eight episodes are like chronologically like pretty much the straight up fairy tale of Snow White up until like the part she goes to the dwarves and then there's like 50 episodes of her going on crazy adventures with the dwarves and they make no sense because one of them like literally is like one of the dwarves is just like dying and has to return to his weird tree and then there's like one where they like meet the snow queen and they have to travel on dandelions and remember this yes the traveling on the dandelions oh my gosh it's ape shit it's ape shit i must have watched this as a kid i but the david the gnome now that's tied in with the tree because when they die they turn like yeah, I was to say they like turn into trees or something when they die, yeah, right? I never very, very connected to nature. I never and watched that, the David the Gnome, so all that my was inspired by the the illustrated guide to gnomes, that very famous uh yeah. that like acts like a anthropology journal. Mm-hmm. It's great. I Elisa, you know what I'm talking about. I do. I do know what you're talking about. I've yeah. been trying to convince you you and me and like other people to cosplay David the Gnome forever. <laughs> I, I, I Wait, really? It'd be very cute. It'd be very yeah, cute. five years, I'm just like, we need to do like a David the Gnome cosplay because that opening theme song is the best. <laughs> I know an inordinate amount of information. I have never seen a single episode of David the Gnome. I loved it so, so much when I did. I know lots of people who love it. I just somehow managed to never see it. So all of my David the Gnome knowledge is very secondhand. Talking about David the Gnome for an hour is so much more pleasant than, the, than this episode, to be honest. It's not, it's not a good episode. <laughs> at Granny's Diner, Leroy is eating when Walter and Mr. Clark show up asking him to move, which he refuses to do. Good for you, Leroy. Do Sneezy no favors. He's a child-hating shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> we never forgive and we never forget. He wronged my boy! <laughs> he did wrong your boy who does not this is the very first episode that uh henry does not appear in oh man and and maybe it would have been better if he did mary margaret enters granny's diner announcing miners day and asking for volunteers to help her sell candles made by local nuns but everyone is still angry about her affair with david and they turn away this town is full of jerks they're all refusing to help out charity just because mary margaret is the one volunteering like what a bunch of bad people it's yeah like i've i've said it before but i hate how this whole town is fucking ass to mary margaret and like presumably david gets to just sit around and be an idiot and no one is taking issue with him like he wasn't the one stringing two women along or anything it's just mary margaret she's the bad guy yeah yeah like, i really fuck dislike that so much. david is not getting any um... no one says a word about him yeah yeah. They're all just like, Mary Margaret. It's like, yeah, you're right. She did this all by herself. Yeah, so shitty. Leroy approaches her, giving Mary Margaret the impression he wants to sign up, which he quickly shoots down, reminding her she is blocking the exit. He further insults her, saying, the town harlot and the town drunk would make quite the team. He says that she is the only person in town that people like less than him. Having witnessed the exchange from her booth, Emma chases after an upset Mary Margaret and asks about Miner's Day. We learn it is a local holiday honoring an old tradition of the miners exchanging coal for candles made by the nuns. Emma is surprised to learn that Mary Margaret's affair with David has swayed public opinion of the school teacher, and all of those who had previously signed up to volunteer dropped out after discovering the affair. Mary Margaret is desperate to put her life back together. Emma suddenly gets a call that she must respond to and leaves Mary Margaret with her love and support. They're just the best. 
I love them. And also sad Mary Margaret wrapped up in her winter gear is so cute. Also, Mary Margaret is too good for this town. Fuck you, Storybrooke. You suck. Yeah. Yeah. While walking through the town square, a handful of glitter sprinkles down on Leroy's head. He shoots his best death glare up at the culprit to see Sister Astrid, Nova's story broke counterpoint. His whole face lights up and he isn't bothered by the glitter any longer. Astrid brushes off the glitter saying she is trying to get the lights to work. Spitten, Leroy instantly offers his assistance, climbing up on the ladder to fix the lights. Overjoyed at the sudden illumination, Astrid gathers that Leroy is an electrician. He gently corrects her saying he is in the custodial services but his dream is to sail around the world. She tells him, you can do anything as long as you can dream it. And she believes he will someday achieve his dream. I really love these precious dorks. And also every time she says that line, I always hear uh, Dr. Frankenfurter. Just be like, just in my head going, don't dream it, be it. <laughs> it's funny because it's actually it's a Walt Disney reference, but I enjoy it being, being a Tim Curry reference even better. I read that Leroy's desire to sail is a reference to the actor's role as uh, Pentel, uh, the pirate in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh, what a great nod. Yeah. That is cute. Thank you, IMDb. <laughs> um, Astrid is so handsy in this scene, but they really do have really cute chemistry. And I have a lot of love for Amy Acker, uh, the actress who plays Astrid. I think she's a cutie. I loved her as Fred on Angel. Meanwhile, Emma is taking pictures of Catherine's car in the ditch when Sydney shows up with his camera. When Sydney learns it's Catherine's car, he instantly jumps on the opportunity to spin a story insinuating David. It kind of traps my ass that Emma is just like, sure, Sydney, crawl over the place with your camera. Like, this is 100% compromising a crime scene. I know law enforcement barely exists in these parts, but maybe don't let the man go stamping all over everything and destroying all the evidence. I thought that too. I was like, um, is this allowed? It's yeah, not. Like, she's well. like not even done with her investigation and he's just like, woohoo! And just starts like opening car doors and getting on everything. And I'm like, that's, that, that's the, the, cri- the crime scene's ru- ruined now. You, it's, everything's going to be inadmissible in court now. Uh, I think this is where uh, Emma's time as a bail bonds person or a bounty hunter or whatever the heck kind of comes into play you know like versus like the differences between that career versus like investigation like oh yeah for sure like I know she's just like 100% thinking like you know just figuring it out and like you know mega brain putting yeah yeah not thinking exactly she's seeing she probably would have done the same like for sure career too so she doesn't understand like the nuance of like why this is bad maybe and like she'll probably maybe like, it's not great it. that now sydney's fingerprints are going to be all she'll over the crime scene the sheriff station and be like oh fuck i wasn't supposed to let him do that no because now <laughs> everything that might have implicated oh anybody God. is just sydney the yeah, only sydney fingerprints then. we can find now are sydney oh at least he had gloves i guess that's, that's true. something yeah. i'm still saying the- ruining a crime scene <laughs> he, he, he did he oh did. no no he totally is Emma tells him to calm down. He doesn't muckrake for Regina anymore. <laughs> Little machine. She reveals Catherine got accepted to law school in Boston, and maybe she hitched, desperate to run away from her problems. But they pop the trunk and discover Catherine's luggage. Sydney tells her that he will help. Sydney tells her that he will help Emma get into contact with someone at the phone company who can get Catherine's phone records. That's not 
sus <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, David shows up and Emma and Sydney wonder if he knows. Back in the mines of the Enchanted Forest, Bossy cleans up the newly hatched- Bossy. I know, but, well, more like pricky. <laughs> yeah, Bossy's a dick. Yeah, douchey. Yeah, douchey, douchey, yes. He states he saw a woman before he hatched. Bossy explains that he must have been dreaming as there are no female dwarves and dwarves do not fall in love, marry, or have children. Dwarves, says Bossy, mine diamonds that get crushed into the dust that give the light to the world. Bossy introduces him to his brothers, who were all hatched from a clutch of eight eggs. Rip stealthy. Pouring out for stealthy. They all line up to receive their pickaxes, which magically reveal their names. When the dwarf holds his new axe, the name Dreamy appears engraved on the handle. The dwarves go off into the mines, whistling as they work. I do not like this female dwarf erasure. All fantasy needs more female dwarfs. Female dwarfs rule. Hard agree. Lady dwarfs are dope as hell. Neelys is totally not speaking as someone who plays one in a long-running D&D campaign or anything. Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) No bias. No bias at all. No bias at all. It's not my longest-running D&D character. It's definitely not a female dwarf. (laughs) Um, But also that beard trimming was so uneven and random. It was really distracting through that whole scene. It was horrible. Also, just the whole mind setup is so fucking depressing. I feel so bad for these dwarves. I know. I'm just like, your lives are so shitty. So they uh, they reused the uh, set that they had built for Rumpelstiltskin's cell, on like his underground cell. Mm-hmm. But that then got turned into the mines. So oh. no wonder it was so fucking depressing to look at. Yeah. It was really a prison. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't think that mines like in real life are all that cheerful either no well no but like i don't know somehow i feel that these are especially glum yeah it makes me glad for other flashbacks that these these the seven doors eventually get to like live in a cottage in the forest because man their lives are depressing when they're born and they're like living Mm -hmm. in this mine too it's awful yeah it's a sad time awakening all sorts of labor rights uh, being violated yeah Yeah. doors for socialism doors for socialism OSHA violations left and right. Flash forward to Storybrooke. Leroy goes to Mary Margaret to sign up for volunteer work selling candles. He overhears Astrid and Mother Superior, aka the Blue Fairy, discover that Astrid accidentally ordered too much helium and spent the entire budget. She tells Astrid to fix it immediately before skulking off. Leroy approaches Astrid and listens to her woes. The rent is due next week and their landlord, Mr. Gold, will not give them a break on it. I love that he's so shocked that Mr. Gold is their landlord. Like, he isn't everyone's goddamn landlord in this place. <laughs> or that he's a bastard about it. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's usually so, you know, lovable about everything. <laughs> when it comes to money. Uh-huh. He's maybe, always like, yeah, pay me in a couple months. It's fine. It's fine. The maybe is always open. Maybe Leroy actually like liked Mr. Gold. He was like, uh, I'm a grump. Everyone doesn't like me. He's a grump. Everyone doesn't like him. She's good people. <laughs> I don't know if it's ever established or if this is just me in my head thinking this, but I don't think that Mr. Gold is Leroy's landlord. Do we even know where Leroy lives? No. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> nope. <laughs> 
But like up until now, anytime a landlord has been mentioned, it's always been Mr. Gold. It's like if there's a property and I guess it hasn't been in your family for a million years, so you own it, it probably means he does. Yeah, and then the isn't it the very first episode at the end? Isn't Granny's like, oh, Mr. Gold, he owns this whole town. Well, yeah, because he comes in to shake her down. Yeah, Yeah. he doesn't. (laughs) He there are a couple buildings he doesn't own. He doesn't own Regina's home. He doesn't own Town Hall. It's because um, Regina has more money than God. Yeah, and, and he doesn't own the library, which is mm-hmm. the, that that um, shuttered building mm-hmm. um, in Town Square. So those are like the only buildings I know that he truly does not own. And like the sheriff's station and stuff like that, which is also, I think, that's also in Town Hall because I think she's downstairs and Regina's upstairs. Because remember from the awesome. fire episode? Ooh. The episode from the fire where they were yeah. yeah. I never thought about that. That means like this is blowing my mind thinking about the sheriff's office and Regina's evil mayor lair being in the same building. I'm like, what? Yeah, because I mean, it kind of makes sense because Regina's like always like there kind of. She's like, always two seconds away. She yeah, is. She's always just a few seconds away. And sometimes, you know, like Henry's with her and stuff. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. I'm going to have to pay more attention. I'm going to be on the lookout for this now too. Like civic civic areas you know civic center areas okay despite having only sold 42 candles the previous year Leroy promises her that they will sell all the candles and he will help them overhearing the exchange Mary Margaret looks exasperated I know she's just like why promising this yeah Jennifer has top tier facial expressions in this whole episode like all the background stuff I'm like hmm Someone passed with flying colors in their improv class. <laughs> <laughs> A plus good. in emoting. A plus. Meanwhile, back at the crime scene, David is genuinely surprised by Catherine's disappearance. Emma asks him to tell the truth. He tells her that he has not said a word to her since he ended things. Using her superpower, Emma knows that David is being honest. She dismisses his worry that he is a suspect. Emma promises to find her. Emma's hair looks so good in this scene. It's so glamorous. Damn girl, you look good. It was a good hair episode. It was a really good hair episode for her. Meanwhile, at her office in town hall, (laughs) (laughs) Regina receives a fax consisting of Catherine's phone records. She phones Sydney telling him that they will prove to be quite helpful. The trope of the evil lady villain and the hapless male henchman who is pining for her is just... (sighs) so old like I distinctly remember it being fairly common in the cartoons I watched as a kid in the 1980s and being pretty sick of it even as as a five-year-old like it can only go one of two ways a the henchman finally gets sick of the bad lady and really goes on the good side uh, as Sydney is pretending to have done here or b he dies either in a blaze of glory taking out the bad lady with him or quietly and tragically and instantly forgotten I wonder how it's going to go for Sydney. I don't know. I haven't seen that far. <laughs> no, I haven't seen to like mid season five. Yeah, I just had a moment of wait. I just realized I have no idea what I have. No, I truly have no idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, who knows? I, 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 yeah, that that wasn't me being facetious. I, I I'm like, I wonder which way Sydney's going to go. <laughs> we all wonder how it's going to go for Sydney. None of us have gotten that far. <laughs> yeah, we never finished season five. Nope. We have two over two seasons we never saw. Yep. Yeah, three seasons I've never seen. 
Returning to the enchanted forest, a year has passed from when Dreamy and his brothers hatched. We see the inner workings of the mines, from the mineral to dust. Nova has come to fill up the bag of annual fairy dust in the mines, but has trouble turning off the machine. Dreamy helps her and recognizes her as the woman he saw in his dreams before he hatched. Nova is distracted by the conversation and the fairy dust almost ends up in the furnace before Dreamy manages to rescue it. Angry at herself for being so careless, Nova laments about her clumsiness, saying she will never be a fairy godmother. Dreamy tells her that she would make a great fairy godmother and that she can be anything she wants so long as she can dream it. They properly introduce themselves. Nova tells Dreamy she is going to see the fireflies that night on her way back to the fairy realm. Completely missing the unspoken invitation, Dreamy happily tells her to have a good time. Nova thanks him, declaring Dreamy as her hero. I couldn't concentrate on anything in this scene because all I could think about was how dumb her outfit is. I'm so sorry they put you in this horrible jellyfish dress, Amy Acker. You deserve better. It's just bad. Yeah, and the pink like is so flattering on her like the pink itself is it's yeah. a good pink and, and when they have i like, love pink pink is my favorite it is yeah. a good pink well there's close crop so it's just like the bust and like the flowers on the straps and just her little hair up she looks really cute it looks really good it's really good it's just when it pans back and just the skirt is so and you see if the skirt starts low. underneath her butt cheeks yeah like why like, would the skirt start under your butt cheeks like, I know it looks like a jellyfish. It also looks like a, a taco that's been, like, just upside down, like, just dumped. Like It doesn't they, look good. If the skirt was just, if it would change everything if the skirt was just at the waist. If it was at the waist and so it looks like a little, like, ballerina costume. Yes. So much yes. better. So yes. much better. Like, oh, my God, that would have been so much better. And she could so even still better. have, like, a little, like, frills and stuff you know yeah because yeah, then it would have just felt like it was almost more of like an homage to like the sugar plum fairy or something to have her in a tutu yes. yeah and that would have looked and that been, so pretty yeah, that would have been sweet but instead they're like what if we had the skirt start just under your butt yeah. that's a great costume design it's like it's it's not because there's lovely little details on the costume but then just where the skirt hits is just it's ugly it's, it's bad it's and insane a amy acker is beautiful she does not deserve to be in this costume this way no <sighs> i'm telling you castro he's the king of too much too much yeah because i think that that sums up this outfit it's it's too much it's too much <sighs> back in storybook oh boy mary margaret is desperately trying to sell candles but no one will buy them from her Leroy suggests they go door to door instead. If they don't like us here, what makes you think they'll want us in their homes? Asks Mary Margaret. A sly grin breaks out on Leroy's face as he retorts, exactly. They'll pay us just to leave. I hate this town full of bastard people. Everyone is just like, let's ruin these nuns fundraiser completely. Just like let it completely tank just to spite Mary Margaret. I'm like, hello, these are awful people. I mean, I would tank the nuns fundraisers, but that has nothing to do with Mary Margaret. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> everything to do with nuns. <laughs> okay, then. Emma meets Sydney at the festival, revealing that Catherine never made it to registration at her university in Boston. Mary Margaret rushes by as she and Leroy are on their way to sell candles door to door. After she leaves, Sydney voices that he thinks Mary Margaret is to blame for Catherine's disappearance. Emma adamantly denies Mary Margaret's involvement. Bless Emma's 
part. It's just like, you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> like, that was her moment. It was like, Roar. I know, wonderful. Because Sydney's just all pompous about it. I know. And he's all like, if anyone has anything to benefit from, and she's like, you shut your whore mouth when you talk to me. <laughs> Would you talk about my mom that way? <laughs> I will kill you. I mean, yeah, she forgets that not everyone has the pleasure of Mary Margaret's friendship and company. Like, also, where is Ruby in all of this? Like, she and Mary Margaret are friends and... And she was totally saw both David and Mary Margaret as like active participants, like flirting. And she knew what was up. And she, I mean, she did not look like she was discouraging it. Yeah. She's definitely not being a shit like the rest of the town. Like, I think it's just literally just because they so frequently just don't give Megan lines. Yeah. No, but no, yeah. completely it. That but you could tell in the scene when when Mary's drinking in the diner, like Ruby smiles at her and gives her a cup. So you you know she's being supportive. It's just literally the showrunners not wanting to pay her for lines in that episode, yeah, I bet you. Because oh, yeah. there there is a part like like Elisa mentioned, there is a part later on where like obviously she gets no lines because for whatever reason they don't want to let this woman speak. But like there's like a really sweet, just kind of silent exchange when she's like filling Mary Margaret's glass up and just like gives her this like really like you okay hun type smile. Yeah. So it's like Ruby, Ruby, I feel like would have been there for her if she'd been given any fucking lines in this episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. There's there's plenty of like opportunity and and uh, chances that they had with developing Ruby's character from, from so early on and continuously so and with like another another friendship that I can't talk about because of spoilers. And they just they just choose not to and i think it's disappointing it was very yeah. disappointing to fans all over but we'll get to that later so yeah right now we have to go check out how the door-to-door -door sales are going and it's a bust as everyone slams their door on leroy and mary margaret i hate the carrot pervert he's so that, disturbing <laughs> that is jack spratt and his wife from the nursery rhyme he's a carrot yeah, pervert i hate yeah. him like be that as it may it's real untoward looking. I, am. <laughs> I, I almost like when I first saw I was like I wonder if that's supposed to be rabbit from Winnie the Pooh and his wife is gopher because like gopher and rabbit kind of had like a very <laughs> domestic like <laughs> but and they were just too too much of a bitch to put like you know two male characters together so but but then like yeah I read I read on the fandom wiki that that's Jack Spratt his wife so. It's it's still unnerving. I believe his name is Carrot Pervert. His name is Carrot Pervert. We've decided. You know, he started his OnlyFans, and it's going fairly successful. <laughs> I mean, you know what? There there is someone who's into anything. So I wish Carrot Pervert well in his venture. I mean, Rule Thirty Four, right? Yeah. <laughs> Back in a tavern in the Enchanted Forest, the dwarves are enjoying a drink after work. Dreamy sits slightly apart, and Bossy sits down across from him, noting that Dreamy seems off. Dreamy says he can't eat, sleep, and does not feel like himself. Bossy says not to worry about it because dwarves don't get sick. It must just be in his head. No, that's called mental illness, Bossy, and you are denying your employee his rights to medical care. Unionize, Dreamy! Seriously, these dwarves' lives are terrible. Be free. Be who you want to be. Damn the man. Damn the, the man, vampire. Dreamy. Dwarves for socialism. <laughs> dwarves for socialism. 
It's not in his head, it's in his heart, says a voice we recognize. Dreamy turns and there is Belle, drowning her sorrows in a pint of ale. You're in love, Belle says. Bossy claims that this is impossible as dwarves can't fall in love. I think Bossy drank the flavory. What, me, oppressed? I'm just like, Belle, why are you in a dwarf bar? How'd you get here? How'd I don't you get in a dwarf, dwarf bar? bar? I think it's, I think it's just a tavern. Literally, it, it pans out at one point. She's the only person in it who's not a dwarf. She was sad. <laughs> so she ducked down and went into the first place with alcohol that she could get into. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was retconned uh, here. <laughs> she was like, well, I have to crawl to get in here, but there's booze, so it's okay. <laughs> oh, no. She's, she's a teeny lady. <laughs> she's the only person in here who's not a dwarf. I'm so confused. She likes to hang with dwarfs. They're fun. I mean, sure. That's fair. And it gets retconned later in. I mean, of course it fucking does. Intrigued, Dreamy asks Belle to describe love. It's the most wonderful and amazing thing in the world, she says. Love is hope. It fills our dreams. And if you're in it, you need to enjoy it because love doesn't always last forever. Dreamy wonders why he feels so bad if love is so great. Belle advises Dreamy that he needs to be with the person he loves. Dreamy doubts Nova's feelings and tells Belle about the fireflies. Belle informs the dwarf that Nova's intent was to have Dreamy join her. <sighs> Folks, listen to your auntie, Jeff. Do not follow the sweet, the daft Nova's example. Be straightforward. Take a class in speech and debate. Learn some dialectical behavior therapy and the types of communication skills. That unspoken subtext talk is all well and good on TV, but in real life, it's ridiculous. End of advice. <laughs> Belle says she has had her heart broken enough to know when someone is reaching out. She encourages Dreamy to go find his hope, his love, his dreams. In Storybrooke, Leroy finds Astrid to tell her about the candles, but cannot pluck up the courage to disappoint her. Instead, he lies to her, claiming he sold all of the candles. Astrid is overjoyed, but a panic-stricken Mary Margaret pulls Leroy aside to tell him that the total cost for all the candles is $5,000. Mary Margaret is horrified to realize that Leroy has a crush on Astrid. Could you possibly pick anyone less available? Leroy notes the hypocrisy in her judgment and doubles down on his vow to get the $5,000 by the end of the day. I love these two. They're a really fun pair. I, I do love Mary Margaret and Leroy very much. Nighttime in the Enchanted Forest. Dreamy races to meet Nova on the hill and marvel at the lights throughout the kingdom sprawling in the distance. He tells her that she is lucky that she gets to see the world as he spends most of his life underground in the mines. Inspired, Dreamy says that they should get a boat and explore the world together. The fireflies show up, glimmering and glowing in the night sky. Nova suddenly kisses Dreamy before saying they should meet back here the next night after she has delivered the fairy dust and they will embark on a journey to see the world together. I love these two darling idiots. They're too sweet for this cruel, cruel world. I know, these poor kids, these poor kids. Back in a fog-strewn story brook, Leroy meets with Mr. Gold at the docks, trying to sell his boat for the five grand he promised to achieve by the end of the day. Unimpressed, Mr. Gold says that the boat, the boat is only worth 3,000. And when Leroy presses him for five, he wants to know why Leroy is so desperate. 
Leroy says he is trying to help out a friend and pleads for Mr. Gold to forgive one month's rent for the nuns as payment for the boat. The pawnbroker shuts down negotiations immediately, calling the nuns distasteful tenants as he has a long and complicated history with them. He leaves, ending any hope for Leroy to raise the money. Mr. Gold feels the same way about nuns that my mother does. Ditto, and probably for the same reasons if your mom went to Catholic school in the 1960s like mine did. <laughs> oh, she sure did, and that's what I thought of in the part where, like, he very aghast is like, who doesn't like nuns? I'm just like, uh, everyone who went to Catholic school. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we only ever flash back once or twice to Rumpelstiltskin as Mr. Gold, just like not just pretending to be Mr. Gold, but truly cursed. He probably would have worked out a deal with Leroy, but since he's awake, there is no way in hell he is going to cut them fucking fairies some slack. I mean, I can't blame him. I have no love in my heart for nuns uh, as part of a larger problematic organization, like the fairies themselves. I'd reserve my individual opinion based on one-on-one -on -one interactions. Like Astrid is adorable and I'd buy pie or candle or whatever the fuck from her, but I'd hiss at Mother Superior if we ever crossed paths. You know what I mean? I really liked uh, Mr. Gold in this scene being like, I have my reasons. It really made me laugh. But I think whenever someone says that line, I always think of the scene in Sailor Moon uh, when Mamoru is on his like tiny, the tiny train and Yusagi's like, why are you here? And he's like, I have my reasons. And like, no, no, he didn't. He had no reasons beyond that tiny train. Was that the one that was at the Dreamland Kitty Park? Yes, it mm -hmm. was. It was that episode. Yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah, because him and Ray both like start tag taming Usagi about being like, oh, it's so ridiculous that she's here at a theme park. Haha, <laughs> how juvenile. And she's like, I'm juvenile. Why are you a grown ass man on a tiny train? And he's like, I, uh, but I, I had reasons. I had reasons. He's like, no, you don't. And then no, his inner monologue is just like, she cuts she, me deeply. She cut me deeply. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you, you fucking motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I just imagine Mr. Gold on a tiny train being like, I have my reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, someone please fan art that. <laughs> Astrid shows up at Leroy's boat and brings him a pie to thank him. See, she bakes pie. I would, I would buy that pie. <laughs> but she notices all the candles are under a tarp. Leroy admits he was unable to sell them and apologizes as he was afraid of letting her down. He says she believed in the wrong guy. Astrid says nothing as she leaves. Meanwhile, Emma is at the station when Sydney brings over the phone records. Sydney notes a call to Catherine from David made within an hour before the car crash. Emma denies this to be possible, but Sydney gaslights her into self-doubt. At Granny's Diner, Leroy meets Mary Margaret for a drink where he breaks the news about being unable to secure the funds for the nuns. <laughs> that rhymes. That was a fun sentence. Funds for the nuns. Funds for the nuns. The nuns. Despondent, Mary Margaret tells him that she must have been dreaming if she thought they could accomplish anything. Ruby's hair looked so cute in this scene. And yeah, like we talked about earlier, I love that she's never cold to Mary Margaret or, or even Leroy. Ruby is good people and the rest of the town should learn from her. Here, here. Fuck you, Storybrooke. Be more like Ruby. We flash back to the Enchanted Forest where Dreamy is leaving the dwarves. Stealthy stops him and the rest of the dwarves awaken to question Dreamy. Dreamy tells his brothers that he is in love and he wants to be with Nova. They offer him his, his pickaxe, but he tells them he does not need it anymore. The other dwarves pull Dreamy into a big supportive group hug. I'm glad that his dwarf brothers are supportive because the rest of this dwarf world suck. Yeah, dwarf it's terrible. world sucks. Yeah. It's not good. 
No, but they, they are all so sweet. And I love that they're super supportive of him. Yeah, they're really cute. As Dreamy makes his way to Nova, Bossy shows up and says he cannot leave because Dreamy has the responsibility to the mines and fairy dust. Bossy reinforces his earlier declaration that dwarves are not capable of love. Dreamy challenges this, but the blue fairy shows up. Oh good, the deranged blue jellyfish is back to be an absolute bitch. We're shocked. And backs up what Bossy is saying, claiming that what Dreamy feels is not love, but a dream. She claims that if Dreamy and Nova run away together, it will not end well, that Nova will lose her wings. If Dreamy returns to the mines, however, he and Nova will bring, quote, untold joy to the world, going so far as to say that Nova could even be a great fairy. The choice is yours. Fuck you. You lying c- I hate you. This bitch was totally set up to be a big bad. I cannot believe they truly meant for the blue fairy to be a good guy. She's insane. She's a sociopath. She's a capitalistic fucking like CEO. Like what the absolute fuck? How can anyone like this character? I don't know anyone who does, to be honest. No. Fuck. Fuck me. Fuck you. Yeah, I hate her so much. She's awful. Like, just let this poor dwarf, poor fairy be in love. Like, who are you to tell them shit? I, it's so frustrating. I mean, just just constantly telling them, no, you cannot love. Like, yeah, like, fuck it's off. Also, it's also like a fucking huge contradiction of the beginning of the episode where she's just like, Oh, Nova, you're bad at things. You'll never be a good fairy. And now she's like, you're ruining her chances. She could be a good fairy. It's like, what? Right. No, because she just- Seconds ago, you were like, no. That's why, because she just wants slave labor. She gets her rocks off on being this, like, supreme power. But, you know, you like, the only way people get in power like that is through the oppression of others. And yeah. the same goes for the dwarf. And I'm not saying that Bossy is like the leader of the dwarfs. I don't think he actually is. I think he's been oppressed and he's just like, like I said, he drank the flavor. Like he, you know what I mean? Like he was born into that and stuff. Like, I don't know how far that goes back, but I'm going to say it just goes right directly back to the damn fairies because they're interconnected because of the fairy dust. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, that I think Rumpelstiltskin said in a previous episode, like love is the most powerful magic. Like, I think that's already been discussed. And so like the fact that you know they're able to be in love like that that's a big deal that's that's powerful shit and she's just like stop this stop it now she's yeah, shutting she it down wants to take away their power yeah yeah she's like yeah. you're depleting my workforce yeah that is exactly it like this is so it's so crazy like it, it's like if this show were smarter i would say i would actually give it credit for being, but don't no 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 i'm not <laughs> this, this is absolutely not but to me it's like you can read into it as commentary on capitalism and the evils of capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, and pro-socialism and all this kind of stuff and and like anti-destiny and pro-free will, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It, it can get really fucking deep, you know, had that been their intention and had they like followed through with it. But it wasn't, it just nope. came out like no. that accidentally. It's a very and they don't follow through at all. Yeah, yeah, they no, just, and they're fucking follow through. Yeah, they yeah. just accidentally stumble on these really great analogies and then don't do anything with them. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, they they literally trip into like these wonderful analogies and they never follow through. They're, the, the lack of self-awareness in this show is fucking astounding, both on like, the, like what could have been like positive and the, oh my God, did you not realize that your only person of color is, is like is a fucking furniture genie? now? Is, is a genie? Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. Right. You, so, that you put yeah. into a slave situation? Yeah, someone right. who is sole story it's about him being belongings to people yeah yeah no yeah. Fuck this. there's like, there's tone deaf like, and then there's oh, whatever this is yeah. oh my god like you would you would think because like oh the lost connection right oh the kitsuist like they've known what they're doing all along and i'm like no because there's no again there's no follow-through yeah. at least lost had most follow-through i'm not gonna give like say all of it was follow-through but most of it was and because someone must have been like whipping them into you know like like there were lots and lots and lots of writers on that show and i think someone was like you know keeping them on track eventually yeah and um i'm just i'm I'm losing my train of thought now because i'm just so angry i'm so angry because it would have been such a fucking great narrative it really would have like this would have yeah this episode could have been like the cornerstone episode for something that could have been called back like on like five seasons ahead yeah can you imagine five. dreamy could have been like a huge a huge like lore drop for the setup of of what could have been a very interesting thing this, all like he could have been like the fucking katniss everdeen to like the revolution mm-hmm. you know yeah like the symbol of throwing off your oppressors and stuff but yeah they just kind of went meh meh <sighs> okay i'm calm i'm centered <laughs> on this episode what's happening in granny's diner chell what's happening oh, okay let me, let me i'll tell you elisa back <laughs> at granny's diner when mary margaret points out that as a nun astrid is unavailable leroy dismissively agrees explaining that as astrid was the first person who told him he could do anything who could be anything he just never wants to disappoint her Mary Margaret says there are consequences for doing what the world tells you not to. Leroy asks her about her good memories with David. Does she regret them? Mary Margaret does not regret them. Isn't that what life is about, remarks Leroy, holding on to good memories. Leroy tells her to stop feeling sorry for herself and enjoy her good memories. (sighs) I get what the writers are trying to say, but I really fucking hate it when people have dick measuring contests about whose pain is more valid take it away lynn thank you i've said it before no one needs a sadness dick measuring contest you can take that to the bank i know that was our moral last episode they should have learned they should have learned no one (laughs) listens until it's too late (laughs) mary margaret says if she had the dream it wasn't worth it leroy tells her that sitting there and drinking with him won't end the pain when Mary Margaret asks what will, Leroy is struck by inspiration. He downs his drink and leaves. We next see him atop the roof where an electrical box sits atop a pole. Mary Margaret is shortly behind him, begging him not to jump. He looks at her like she's nuts and flatly tells her that that is not his intention. He's solidly built after all. And he could do a lot of damage or hurt someone. <laughs> it's such a good line. It's, really it's good. such a great line. <laughs> oh, it's so good. He instead takes up his pickaxe and swings, breaking the electrical box and causing a power outage all over town. What are you doing, a baffled Mary Margaret asks. He turns to her with a sly smile as he replies, 
I'm selling candles, sister. Paul level. I don't like this episode. But Leroy and Mary Margaret's little friendship is actually kind of endearing. Yeah, they're very sweet. And like, I do legit like that Leroy's just like, I'll yeah. smash these lights, then these bastards will have to buy candles. Me too, on all accounts. Leroy is very precious, and his strong platonic friendships with women are something I would like to see more of in television. I agree. I just realized this because, you know, we're laughing, thinking of Leroy's lines, especially like about like, I'll hurt somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. This is the Kitsuwis. This is their, uh, their these, this is their strength. Dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like when it comes to like these kind of like zippy, quippy lines. Um, their strength does not lie in, you know, plot follow through. <laughs> no, but they get a good one liner in there every once in a while. Heck they yeah. really do. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Nova waits on the hill when Dreamy shows up. Nova tells him he needs to see something. She conjures a telescope and tells him to look. He spies a ship, which she excitedly begins to describe. Dejected, Dreamy tells her that he cannot go with her. He tells her that they belong with their own kind and that they will never change. Nova says that he controls what changes in his life and reminds him that he is special. He questions that they are special, but she insists that it is their love that makes them special. He denies their love, saying it was a dream that they need to put away. Dreamy insists that he is not Nova's dream, that it is to be a fairy godmother, and he cannot stand in the way of her happiness. You're my happiness, Nova insists, reaffirming her love for him. Sadly, Dreamy says dwarves cannot love. He walks away, leaving a heartbroken Nova behind. This poor fairy got you a beautiful ship, and you white fang her ass. You dingus. The blue fairy is a life ruiner. She really fucking is. Also, white fanging needs to be added to the drinking game. Yeah, God, not if we like our livers. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say because I think it kind of happens a bit in this. It show. does happen a bit, yeah. Yeah, we 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 would go to the hospital. I feel like there's something about fairy tales and like romantic long form like fantasy stories and white fanging that really goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, miscommunications. Mm-hmm. You know. It's tiresome. In the mines, an unhappy dreamy returns. He takes up his pickaxe and violently starts hitting the rocks with it, breaking it. He demands a new axe from Bossy. When he grasps it, the axe reveals his new name to be Grumpy. Sheesh. Regina didn't even need to use the curse on him. He was a miserable sod anyway. The way they did this scene is so dramatic because he gets the axe with the new name and it says it and he just goes it's grumpy now and it's like okay edgelord it should have been changed to edgy lol (laughs) (laughs) he's got like dark circles painted with like you know like like the streaks that like the undertaker has (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like he just was so like i'm like yeah fucking k batman (laughs) i'm grumpy (laughs) that's pretty much the way he says it like all he needed was like a dramatic like lightning flash behind him it was so over the top oh god and then danny elfman's like sweeping uh score like dun 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 <laughs> we return to the miners day festival in storybrook where mary margaret and leroy are successfully selling the candles and end up selling all of them leroy goes over to astrid and gives her all of the money he further tells her that he will fix up the boat and that astrid can be his first passenger fireflies appear around the festival but no god damn it people There are winter fireflies, but they don't glow. I know, I know. I'm nitpicking on a show that regularly defies the law of nature, but 
<sighs> Add this nature-defying bullshit to the drinking game. But Chell, it's the magic time weather bug bubble. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Chell's just a little like, uh, in response <laughs> to that was hysterical. <laughs> it controls the bugs. We learned this. We learned this from the yeah yeah to, to rare pigeons <laughs> <laughs> emma done brought the bugs to town <laughs> yeah, brought, brought the bugs and the birds and <laughs> we ain't never she brought all the trash animals from boston <laughs> <laughs> oh man i hope she brings some, some possums and some raccoons she, did. she yeah. brought possums and raccoons <laughs> i as long as we got some trash pandas running around there. Oh, hell yeah. Regina shows up at the police station requesting information regarding Catherine's disappearance, but Emma says it is says she does not divulge that information at this point. After a pause, Regina quietly says that if Emma is covering for someone, she will find herself another sheriff. Mm, got a badass in here. And she stalks right back up to her. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> she turns and stamps all the way up her short flight of stairs back to her office. <laughs> Where she pumps up some heavy metal and starts like stomping around, hoping that she's ruining Emma's day. <laughs> well, Emma's just underneath there with a broom hitting the ceiling, being like, hey, some of us hey. have to work for a living. <laughs> hey, pipe down up there. Don't make me call the cops. Oh, wait. <laughs> Don't make me come up there and make siren noises at you because I am the cops. <laughs> I am the fuzz. Meanwhile, Mary Margaret happily puts a sold out sign on the candle stand before walking to her car, which is still emblazoned with the word tramp. She walks away, an unlit candle in her hands. Granny silently stops her, takes Mary Margaret's candle and lights it with her own. They exchange gentle smiles. Granny is on her side again. Mary Margaret like starting to cry after Granny offers her like this like small moment of kindness breaks my heart like poor Mary Margaret she's so sad she is and everyone's been a dick to her they have been and then there's like I think it's supposed to be a touching scene of David like staring wistfully at Mary Margaret at the festival and it's just like you know pal if you hadn't been such an asshole you wouldn't have to be standing outside the party watching the pretty girl yeah like she it's it's have. not touchy it's like dude you were a douche you stand out here and be sad she wouldn't have been in this situation if if you didn't do what you did yeah feel bad david you would have left her the, it's like rubbing you met the troll bitch your dog's nose into its own poop look what you did look, <laughs> look what you did <laughs> david look what you did bad david bad david get off the bad couch, couch. <laughs> emma finds david at the festival and tells him he needs to come to the sheriff's station and tell him everything. I thought I already did, he says. So did I, she says, before she puts him in the back of the sheriff's car while many of the townsfolk watch, Mary Margaret among them. End credits. So I'm not the biggest fan of this episode. Um, I, I don't hate it. It's nothing bad on the level of like Fruit of the Poisonous Tree or anything. But I'm not- thermometer. Yeah, it, it is. So it's the one we always go back to because it's just a, the worst. On a level of snow falls to fruit of the poisonous tree, where does this episode yeah. fall? Let's be fair. Fruit of the poisonous tree is pretty rock fucking bottom. Oh yeah. no, I agree. Like between that one, uh, True North, and God, True North, and and the fucking heart is a lonely hunter. Although that one, that one is just narratively 
a bad yeah episode. that one's that one's a, not a bad episode, episode. A bad episode it's just they yeah. made bad choices they just made yeah. bad choices for the writing but right but yeah. as far as like this episode is fucking god awful on every fucking front i would say true north and fruit of the poisonous tree, tree. Are like, yeah but this one it's fine i i really enjoy amy acker in this I think she's very sweet as Nova slash Astrid. And I think the little love story between Leroy and Astrid, Grumpy and Nova was pretty sweet. Um, I just think it's kind of a bummer that he just white fangs her. And then because she's a guest star, I I don't really remember a resolution to the story. Um, I guess it's nice that, you know, she promises to ride on the, the boat with him. So they found each other in this world, but you know, I only watched till mid season five, so maybe there's more chance for a little more Amy. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I just don't know. But overall, these episodes where the town is just awful to Mary Margaret are, are such bummers. Uh, so it's kind of a little rough period right here. Um, but we do have some real gems coming, so I am excited about those. And I think maybe one of the reasons why Dreamy is kind of like a eh episode is because it comes, you know, before some pretty strong episodes. So just in comparison, it's kind of like, oh no, but I want to get to the next couple, you know? Yeah. Like, I I guess I liked this episode better than last week's. And it's definitely not the worst episode this season. But it traps my ass. The whole town just continues to act like Mary Margaret had an affair entirely by herself. Mm -hmm. And David was, I don't know, out fishing or something because you can totally just do that by yourself. And I know at the end, you're supposed to be like, oh, they fixed it. See, Granny lit her candle. You know, like I was supposed to forget what Granny did to her just last week. You're still a bitch, Granny. You're all bitches. This town is full of bitches. Only Mary Margaret, Emma, Ruby, and Leroy have rights. Everyone else can shut up. Everyone else can go to hell. But I bet if Archie was actually in an episode at any time during this, he'd be nice to Mary Margaret. But he's just disappeared off the face of the earth, so I don't know. But if he was here, he'd be nice. I bet he would. Hashtag give us more fucking Archie. Give us more Archie. In Skin Deep, he knew what was, what was going on because in those cut scenes. But um, they got cut. But they got cut, right. They yeah. rob us of Archie. I know, which sucks because they filmed them. It's not like yeah. they were in the script. They filmed them. Like I, yeah, like, I saw I'm the pictures you posted on Tumblr. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Archie. Yeah. It's right there. He's right there. Give us Archie. You Give already us Archie. have him. <laughs> Give us Archie, you criminals. <laughs> I, I, I think, okay, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for Granny in, in, a, in a sense. And that is just Granny Lucas like has, she is like that where she kind of like puffs up. She gets real like, fucking aggro and then like she you know she she takes it back and gets you know gentler when she realizes yeah, that's true i mean she's really really shown to be part of her calendar I'm not yeah. that that's yeah. like healthy that is not healthy in any no. way you know it's not i'm just also, saying like, at least like in character whereas i'm like well what about the rest of you bastards like the rest oh, of you they bastards. can they can all suck a fuck yeah, honestly yeah. yeah but like here's what i will say about granny and why i'm not completely willing to cut her slack on this one granny has a long and horrible history thus far that we've seen of being incredibly slut shamey yeah yeah because she says horrible goddamn things to ruby and then she just immediately turns on mary margaret once her sexuality is in the picture at all so like anytime there's female sexuality happening at all granny just turns into a grade a capital b bitch and it's like ma'am I don't need your weird, oppressed, old-fashioned morals. Which Shut is up. weird because last episode, she was totally lusting on August. 
Yeah. That could also be chalked up to really fucking inconsistent writing. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think this is just inconsistent writing, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But she is a big ass slut shamer. Yeah, and I don't, I don't like, I don't like that, and that, that I can tell that is a, that is a male, that is a male writer, my friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because like, who cares? Let Ruby wear her little shorty shorts. They're cute. Yeah. Yeah. No one else is slut shaming her. Exactly. Oh, it's yeah, just, you I'm have like Randy... Dr. Rail objectifying her, but Jesus Christ, it's not like uh, Ruby c- couldn't like break him over her knee. And we really wish she would, because then we wouldn't have to deal with him anymore. I know that'd be great. I know it's like, and then Ruby killed Doctor Whale, and we never saw him again. Yay! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> costumes. The costumes. costumes are really bad. I'll never understand the jellyfish dresses. Like it just oh. that skirt just needs to be higher. You can save Why it. is it under the butt? It. If it's if it's higher, just just raise it to the waist. You can save these costumes. Why is it under the butt? Whose skirt starts under the butt? I didn't even notice. I, I literally took no notice of anyone's costumes other than hers. Yeah, I, I, uh, Mary looked cute in her winter outfit. Emma looked cute in their winter outfits. They're nothing special, but you know. They, they were cute. Mary Margaret had Mary, a nice scarf. And yeah, she was all in hat. white. It was cute. She looked I do cute, like, she always this. looks cute. For being nuns, I like the fact that they put them in like the, the more casual, like dark navy blue like stuff because I, I really can't handle it when TV shows stick a nun in like one of those, like, I think they're like Dominican. Dominican? Am I, am I, hold on, uh, hold on. No, not Domino's Pizza. <laughs> Domino's pizza and nuns. Domino's pizza and nuns. So yeah, I, it really like takes me out of television and movies when they put nuns in like the very austere wimples and like you know the very traditional like Dominican or like the the black you know just the black and white like you know penguin look and stuff. If that's not their order, you know. Mm-hmm. And I lived for the better part of 20 years down the street from both, I guess it's called a friary, like where there were brother, like a brothers. I never saw them in like the full 20 years that I, I lived at that apartment. But I did see the nuns because the nuns were like further down the road. And I've been, I got my ass dragged to like their fundraisers because my family and I bought pie from them. Nun pie. Let me tell you, the nuns <laughs> know how to make some good pie. Uh, but, you know, like when they were out and about, they're they're dressing like you know like these nuns like with the blue and stuff and i know it goes along with like their orders and stuff and i'm sure like the catholics listening to this are like like these dumb bitches don't know anything you're right i fucking don't but what i do know is he's like there ain't a catholic here so that's fair these costumes both look appropriate for their character you know for their characters of being nuns as well and because like they're functional yet austere in a way you know like there's there's no frills or nothing on them and i just and i'm just so glad that they are the complete fucking opposite of the fairy jellyfish the below the butt skirted jellyfish yes i like that all the duns had like really fancy hairstyles i was like oh they must be really bored they just like braid their hairs into pretty twists all the time they're just really excited they don't have to wear their starched little wimples (laughs) okay so we do have one note with the costumes Here's a, I don't know if I'm going to call it a fun fact. I don't think it's fun, Joe. I don't think it's fun. (laughs) I'm going to call it a broke my fucking feels. Solemn fact. A solemn Solemn fact. fact. When Regina visits the sheriff's station, a pair of boots are in Emma's office sitting on a desk behind her. These are Graham's boots, which Emma keeps in her office 
and one of them is missing one shoelace uh, because Emma wears the other shoelace around her wrist. This hurts my heart. It's yeah. just so fucking I'm sad. That just, just, it punched me right in the filios. My heart. Graham, I miss you. Graham. Graham deserved better. Graham, Graham deserved better. better. We miss you, stupid sexy Graham. We miss you, handsome Graham. Went out for you, buddy. All right, time to play Who's That Guest Star? So this is a new segment in which we give a little background info on the guest stars. Um, I'm also going to talk a little bit about recurring guest stars because even if they're not in every episode, they deserve a little bit of a shout out. So in episode 14, we have Lee Arenberg as Grumpy, AKA Leroy. California native Arenberg is best known as Pentel in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, along with an impressive litany of guest appearances on shows such as Perfect Strangers, Night Court, Star Trek, The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. That's, a, that's fucking impressive, man. So yeah, much that's Star a lot Trek. of Star Treks. Um, American Gods and Pushing Daisies. But fuck, that all, like, all he needs is Discovery and Picard. And he's he's got like a fucking Star Trek guest star bingo. Mm-hmm. Amy Acker portrays Nova, AKA Sister Astrid. Texan Amy Acker is best known for her roles as Fred and Illyria in Angel. Esther Edelstein in Suits, Samantha Groves in Person of Interest, Lynn in Cab- The Cabin in the Woods, and Kelly Payton in Alias. And Keegan Connor Tracy as fucking Blue Fairy, aka Mother Superior. Canadian actor Keegan Connor Tracy is known for her roles as Eleanor Lipson on The Magicians, Miss Blair Watson in Bates Motel, Jean in Battlestar Galactica, and Diane Hughes in Jake 2.0. All right, now it's time for Once Upon a Timeline. So we're looking at this episode in comparison to the 13 that have come before it. Our key detail for this episode is the appearance of Belle. More importantly, a heartbroken Belle. Due to this detail, we know the flashback in this episode follows the second to last flashback scene in episode 12, Skin Deep. And since this episode ends with Dreamy becoming grumpy, we know this episode's flashbacks happen before Snow and Grumpy's introduction in episode 10's flashbacks, 7.15 a.m. So this episode's flashbacks take place after episode 12, Skin Deep, and before episode 10, 7.15 a.m. So I'd say we can also safely assume that this episode was probably closer to skin deep than it was to 715 in the timeline uh, because clearly something has changed with the dwarfs um, from this episode to 715 uh, well with them living in the forest yeah so something must have happened next time on once upon a rewatch after quitting granny's diner and with her self-esteem at an all-time low ruby is hired by emma to be her assistant in order to help the sheriff discover what it is in life that she's good at Emma continues questioning David about the disappearance of Catherine. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Red Riding Hood yearns to run away with her love. But she, along with her fellow townspeople, are virtual prisoners when a bloodthirsty wolf continues on its relentless killing spree. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is Dwarves for Socialism! The revolution is nigh! You can find us on anchor.fm slash onceuponarewatch, on Twitter at onceuponrewatch, and at Tumblr at onceuponarewatch.tumblr.com. 
I want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all pod devices come with a price. I do legit like that Leroy's just like, I'll smash these lights and these motherfuckers. Fuckles. Oh, baby. Please try that again. I'll smash these lights, then these motherfuckers. <laughs> Honey! Motherfuckles? <laughs> a new fork it. <laughs> then these motherfuckles. <laughs> oh my god, pick a different word. Say these bastards will have to buy candles. <laughs> I'll smash these lights, then these bastards will have to buy candles. There you go. Yay! Nailed the landing.